An uplifter is a compelling leader who tries to breathe life and hope into people around them. Who listen and care and guide and help. Whose way of being in the world inspires. Who uplifts with humor and understanding. Who leads by example. Don't judge. Vulnerable. Bold determination. Who are here to create a better world. Who can learn and teach. Who encourages you. Who shines their light to lead other people. Who uses their best self in order to help others. And the life that I like and I work toward that. We are all uplifters. Mwah. Big love. Hi, my name is Fatma Mansour, and I am so excited and honored to nominate my amazing friend, Rola Ghassani, for the Uplifters. Rola represents what it truly means to be a genuine and empowering woman. She's the kind of friend who stands by you, lifting you up, offering healing in the best way she can. You know that she'll always be there for you. In any room filled with opportunities, and I've seen this before, she will be the first to acknowledge and celebrate others. She's a great listener, a wealth of knowledge. And with her experience and knowledge, she offered an amazing workshops to lift up many other women. She made a difference in the lives of many other women around her. Thank you, Rola. Thank you for being a constant source of inspiration. Thank you for making a significant difference in this world. Love you, girl. Welcome to the Uplifters Podcast. I'm your host, Aranza Savas, and you just heard the lovely Fatma Mansour introducing her friend, Rola Ghassani. So I met Rola and Fatma when I was on tour with Oprah Winfrey just before the pandemic, and it was part of my responsibility to identify interesting women with interesting stories And I was just so completely drawn to Fatma and Rola. They were so magnetic and full of joy and clearly just so delighted to be together and to be in a space with other women celebrating. Rola, I'm so glad you're here so that I can get to know a little bit more about the beautiful friend that is so adored by her friend Fatma. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. As I've gotten to know you a little bit, one of the things that comes through most prominently is that you are a woman on a mission to really know and understand and care for yourself. Yes, absolutely. When you get to be my age, that's when you discover what is really important in life. And then you start focusing on that. Like there's no more noise like before. Yeah. That makes so much sense to me that as we age, there are fewer voices in the back of our heads sort of distracting us and pulling us in different directions. And that truest self then can lead. Yes, yes, 100%. Okay, so tell me a little more about you so that I can just get to know who you are and where you've been in life. I grew up in Australia. I am the youngest of eight children. My parents migrated from Lebanon. There was a civil war. And I got the privilege of growing up in Australia. Being the youngest of eight, I got the best of everything. Being the youngest of eight, I was like constantly hearing my sister's opinion, my brother's opinion. So I grew up being the child who had to listen to everybody. 
which I didn't mind because I was a child. But then once you become the adult that has to listen to everyone or you just feel like you do by default, it kind of starts becoming a burden and you kind of forget your own needs. I didn't realize that was going to be a problem for me until I hit my 40s. I ended up meeting my husband when I was about 22 and we got married and I ended up moving to the States. And the rest is history. We have three daughters who I believe are really a driving force in my mission because I didn't think I was going to end up with three girls. Each pregnancy, I thought it was going to be a boy, (laughs) which is funny because God gave me girls for a reason. And I do multiple things like many, many mothers do. I wear many hats. I wear like the mother hat, the wife hat, which are my, you know, main, I guess, main roles in my, you know, in my life. And then I found my purpose in my 40s. Like I said, when my mother passed away, I kind of hit home when I, I felt like she didn't really live the life that she wanted. And it kind of hurt me to think that I might be going down that direction. That's when I said, you know what? It doesn't matter what my situation is. You know, my husband, he's a loving husband. My kids, they're doting and they're loving. But if I constantly put myself on the back burner, I mean, where's I going to leak health-wise? Because my mom did have blood pressure issues and she did have borderline diabetes and she ended up having a stroke and passing away. But that all came from like a little accumulations of stress throughout her life. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to live that life. I don't want to kind of like live a life if I need to take medicine. I really need to take care of my well-being. I need to eat the right foods. I need to exercise. And I need to make sure that my kids are taken care of in the same way. So that's when I came to the realization of you take care of you, it spills over into your family and everyone benefits. So that's where my mission (laughs) came to play. That's really beautiful. It is a mission driven by so much purpose. I think it's like you said with your mother, it's one of those things that once you see it, you can't unsee it. And yet so many of us as uplifters are driven by the impact on others. And so I think until we make that link that self-care is other care, we deprioritize the self-care. Once we appreciate that, oh, if I take care of me, I am better for everyone and everything else. They are better because the role models they are having are ones that are sustainable in their missions. Because frankly, if we don't take care of ourselves, the light burns out. When you realize that you don't need to sacrifice in order to give them what they need, it becomes something that comes from love and no longer becomes an obligation or a job. It starts becoming your service. And once you look at it that way, you literally feel the love and the love releases all the good hormones that keep you healthy and young. Yes. Yeah, so tell me about that reframe there, that it's not an obligation, it is a service. Yeah, well, it's all really a paradigm shift for me. No one wants to do something out of resentment. My mom made the ultimate sacrifice for my dad, which was to move back to Lebanon in retirement, and she had to leave six kids behind. So that, to me, felt like a big sacrifice for her. So that kind of like made her deteriorate at a quicker pace. Now, when I saw that happening, I kind of like, I don't want to sound like I was resentful towards my dad, but I felt like there was a little bit of selfishness there where he didn't really kind of like give her the option. But I felt like he could have given her more of a voice 
And that's where I got choked up. And I thought, I don't have a voice. I can't tell my husband, I want this thing or I want that thing. It's really hard to express yourself when you don't know how to. And it's interesting because I came across a podcast the other day about women losing their voice and inheriting the genetic code from their past, their mother, their grandmother, their great-grandmother. Everything's been passed down. They've passed down those genes where women don't really speak up. And I was always wondering why I never had that. I do have siblings who do that and they can speak up. And I'm like, why was I not capable of doing that? And I realized if you don't speak up, you don't get what you want. You don't get to be heard. And I thought my girls needed to be heard. And funny enough, they were the ones who built me up. They were the ones who said, what are you doing? Why are you so quiet? And I'm like, who are these people? These little tiny people who are stronger than me. Yeah, what a confluence of forces to open your eyes, to see it across three generations simultaneously, to see the cost of one direction in your mother's story, to see the potential and the challenge in your daughter's, and then to really look into you and what you wanted for you. Right. My mom, she was a good mother. I mean, she had so much love. She was a great wife. She did everything for everyone, even when she was exhausted. So we learn this behavior. Learn that service and love are intimately connected. Yes. We learn through what we've experienced and then we teach through those learnings. And so I think there is that inheritance of service mindset. I grew up in North Texas and I grew up as part of this extended intergenerational group of women. And my great-great-grandmother's first child was my great-grandmother, my great-grandmother's first child was my grandmother, my grandmother, my mother, me, all firstborn children of firstborn children, all intimately connected through our birth order and our motherhood and through our need to serve. And each of us has done it in very different ways. And as I look through our history, I can see the places where exactly as you said, our discomfort with using our own voices and expressing our own needs has held us back. And my grandmother's 94 years old. And I asked her the other day, I said, so is there anything you would do differently in your life? And she said, well, I'd still marry Philip and I'd still have four children, but I'd have been an architect too. Yeah, there's always something. Right, right. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, I think for her though, she felt like she needed to kind of sneak it in. It needed to be tertiary to her family service instead of those working in partnership. So she, she did. She built a lot of houses, but she didn't get to get to that full expression of her gifts and talents. And, and I do think that that can lead us to not feeling heard or fully expressed, or fully in our impact in our lives. It is a combination of like society, the way we grow up, environments. We're just kind of like programmed to be a certain way. And I mean, any women who go against the norm are kind of like condemned for it. My mother-in-law was a powerhouse. My mom and my mother-in-law were actually friends growing up. That's how I met my husband. She was a nurse. She was actually a head nurse in a hospital in Kuwait in the 60s way that was never heard of. She shattered ceilings, like they say. 
I saw these women as my role models. Like they both had, you know, characters that I really admired. I think when you nurture yourself, you start looking at it at service 100%, right? Because you need to be nurtured yourself in order to nurture others. You can't do it out of obligation or feeling like you're missing out. So talk to me about this journey that you went on after you realized that you were not using your voice and expressing your needs. It's called the F method. And I based it on the five things in women's lives that would impact them greatly. The first one is fitness. To me, fitness is not only working out and meal prepping, it's also meditation and journaling. Family. Family is not just your mom and dad or your husband, wife, and children. It's your friends. And it's just the love connection. It's a connection between you and your spiritual beliefs. Finances. Every woman needs to know her finances. A lot of women don't know what's going on. I was one of them. Future. Anything that requires you to, I don't know, self-development, go to school. And then the last one is the most important one, which is fun. Incorporating fun into your day. Always. When you're at play things just fall into place. So these five categories, you create awareness in these categories, and then you have a system as to how to fit these categories into a specific schedule. It sounds so holistic. And I just love the way you have, you've thought about this because it really is, I mean, I've spent the last 20 years working in behavior change and motivation and the elements that you touch in there are are not only essential but often misunderstood and avoided, right? We avoid finances. We feel ashamed of fun. We feel all sorts of feelings about family. Fitness is something that has a lot of of should and obligation associated with it in a lot of our conversation. And so I love the way that you're taking these, these five Fs and making them something that people get to design and create for themselves. But I'm really curious, what does your personal self-care look like now? I don't want to scare you because <laughs> I do a lot. <laughs> okay, before I get started, I want to tell you, I started doing only 10-minute journaling every single day, five to seven years ago. So I woke up 30 minutes earlier and I did 10 minutes of journaling. I just put all the gratitude out there for everything I love. In the evening, I would do a reflection and go to bed. I started building on that one habit on top of the other. So now today I wake up at 4.40 a.m. because I just enjoyed it so much. I get up, I set up my coffee and I sit down and I do my meditation in the morning. The first thing I do is because I'm still in the groggy state and the serotonin hasn't completely come out, you're transitioning between a theta brain state in the mode where your brain can be altered subconsciously. So if you're in that groggy state and you start doing a meditation, you can rewire your brain at that time. And it's something magical about the early, early morning hours. My favorite would be a heart coherence meditation. I would literally sit there and immediately I feel my heart racing and jumping and then my tears will flow because it's just so much gratitude and love. And that's when I know I've made the connection. After that, I do my journaling. It's either gratitude journaling or journaling about a business idea or if anything's irritating, So if I'm not feeling right, I get it out of my system and then I move on to the next thing, which is either reading or planning my day through my method. I have the method planner already printed up and everything. So I just read through what I need to do for the day. After that, I will do EFT tapping. 
Oh my gosh, it's one of my favorite things in the world because I feel like it has made the most progress in my life. EFT got to the core of the issues I was having and really healed them almost immediately. And it healed some silly things along the way too, like not craving chocolate anymore, which I, which I thought was great because then I'm not like binge eating chocolate. And then I'll do my workouts for about 30 minutes and then I start my day. Amazing. Again, super holistic and really just taking care of all of you. One of the things that jumped out at me too is that there are things you're not doing. You are not spending time with other people. You are not watching the news. You are not looking at social media. No, absolutely not. What shifts has your family seen in you? I guess they're not worried to approach me anymore. (laughs) Because, you know, when you have three girls, they drive you crazy. They're just constantly pushing your button. And they're beautiful, wonderful girls. But of course, sometimes I'd slip up and then instead of getting aggravated, I have become extremely, extremely calm. I used to hold on to a lot of emotions. The tapping was one of the major things that affected me. But being someone who was silent for a long time, you don't know how to express yourself. So you just let yourself get over it, which is the biggest mistake. Because what you're doing is you're keeping all those emotions inside and they're going somewhere. They're going to your knees, to your back, to your stomach. I had gut issues for a long time and I managed to get rid of those because I, I realized what the source was. Going back to what you said about your daughters, I have two daughters. It was a major shift in our household when I started really taking care of myself and really learning to express my needs and being honest about what I thought and I believed. I felt like what happened is that calm became more authentic. I always looked calm to people who didn't know me, but my children were so well aware of me and so astute about my presence that fake calm was unsettling. Once I learned how to take care of me and tell them what I needed and how I was really doing, that honesty then just made us all feel more settled and safe. They look at you like a human, not like a robot who was yelling at them. Yes. What a relief. My hope is that this will sustain the relationship long-term too. Yes. And wait till they get to be like mine are 23 and 20. The youngest is, is 12. They start becoming your support system. When you say they are my support, I think there's a very big difference between when we are not at peace Our children often feel the need to take care of us emotionally and to reassure us and to make us feel safe. But when we are well and we are well taken care of, then we can meet expert to expert and they can bring us insight and wisdom from their unique view of the world and we can provide them with insight and wisdom from our unique view of the world. Yes. Instead of it being codependent, it is co-creative. Yes. It's just a great dynamic. And how do you feel in relationship with yourself now? I really like myself. I want to say that, and it's funny because to anyone listening who doesn't meditate, probably thinks it sounds strange, but I go back and I talk to my old self and I say things that I know she should have heard, but she didn't. And that's why I told you it kind of hurt a little bit. But when the healing came in, 
like everything just came out and I was, I was just transformed. I know I was transformed because I even started looking different. It's crazy. Yeah. So I'm very happy. I'm very, very, very happy with the progress. I fundamentally believe that the only way to change our lives is through simple daily practices. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yours sound amazing for you. I have my own set. Every woman I know who has been on this journey finds her own set of practices. But that journey to understanding what you want more of and less of is the most empowering and freeing journey that we can go on. Better than any trip to any country or any meal we could ever eat or even any relationship with another human that we could be in. It is this journey to know how to show up consistently for ourselves. And then everything else can come from that, right? We can travel, we can eat the beautiful meals, we can be in the beautiful relationships. But that investment you made in yourself to think about the ripples that that's had in every area of your life with others, but mostly with you. You know, it's it's those little habits, you're right. But if you were to tell one person that wants to change what they should start with, it would be to do something fun that they love doing. Like that has a ripple effect like no other. Like if you enjoy painting, paint. What are you doing? Not painting. If you enjoy riding a bike, go ride your bike every day because we're just producing a healthy body just by having fun. And I used to kill myself in workouts. I used to hate going to the gym, but then I read a book that said, do an exercise you like. So I would try simple yoga workouts that I enjoyed or like specific weight training I enjoyed. And I looked forward to those. And that's where I saw the results, not doing a class I hated going to. Well, punishment releases cortisol. So you're actually damaging. So why would you damage something in the process of trying to achieve something? Like it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Joy is everything. Joy is everything. Yes. I love that too. Why would you damage when what you're trying to do is heal? Yeah. And I think too, so often we have suppressed our fun in the same way we have suppressed our feelings. And so there's shame around so many of these things. Creativity is frivolous or play is... Or irresponsible. You know, you're wasting time. Yeah. A waste of time or shame. You know, I think about, I grew up sort of believing that that wanting to be a performer had some sort of shame associated with it, that it was attention seeking. Yeah. But it's playful. And if if you enjoy it. You know, that was just someone else's idea. Yeah. Yes. That was just a, a, a programmed idea someone else passed on to them. I stopped listening to others and I started listening to myself because I'm the one who understands me best. Yes. I would pick up the phone like sometimes and get advice from a friend, but I'm like, what am I doing? Go journal. Like, you know the answer. There is a higher self answering your question. You just have to ask. What an amazing message. Here's to listening to ourselves. Here's to showing up for ourselves. Yeah. Here's to being true to ourselves so that we can also do and be for everyone else. Yes, exactly. When you show up for you, you're there for everyone. You're there by default. And for some reason, time becomes like it expands. You do what you love and you start having more time. I don't know how that works. It doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) Well, I will tell you, my list of fun things 
is, it's pretty long. There's a lot of things I enjoy doing, but at the very, 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 very top of my list is talking to smart, honest, inspiring women. And so I know my whole day, my whole week will be better because of this conversation. Oh man, I'm so happy to hear that. I'm actually buzzing too. I'm like buzzing right now. This is like when you speak about something you're passionate about, it just shows everywhere. You know, it just illuminates. And I tell people that's an anti-aging, my anti-aging secret. Like it's doing the stuff you love. (laughs) Yes. It's actually true. I've loved hearing your practices and your perspective. And I'm going to commit to doubling down on fun in my life and to, to really enjoying this great privilege that we have to get to take care of ourselves. And exactly. To be well. It's a privilege. Yeah. Yes, it is a privilege. And I love that. I love that you saw it that way. Thank you, Rola, for joining us. Uplifters, go play. I don't know what you're doing right now, but really at this exact very moment, there is potential that you could bring a little bit more joy and a little bit more fun. Maybe as you're listening to my daughter Savannah's song at the end, you could wiggle your hips and your shoulders. Maybe you could bring a smile to your face. Maybe you could look out the window and watch a bird, but allow yourself, you amazing caregivers and caretakers, you people who power the world, allow yourself to get reinvigorated today by dosing yourself with joy intentionally. Find us over at theupplifterspodcast.com where there'll be Lots of references from Mola's story. She brought up so many great tools and advice. So we'll try to get a reading list together for you. Uh, But you'll also find daily doses of inspiration, research, techniques, and ideas from me, all specifically designed for uplifters to help you keep going and growing. Let's keep rising higher together. Thank you for listening to the Uplifters podcast. If you're getting a boost from these episodes, please share them with the uplifters in your life and then join us in conversation over at theupliftherspodcast.com. Head over to Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast and like, follow, and rate our show. It'll really help us connect with more uplifters and it'll ensure you never miss one of these beautiful stories. Mwah! Big love! sunshine with rosemary and tongue dwell in the perplexing though you find it vexing toss a star and hover be your own best lover relish in a new prime plant a tree in springtime dance without all hindsight bring the sun to twilight lift you up whoa Lift you up, whoa, lift you up, whoa, lift you up, lift you up, whoa, lift you up, whoa, lift you up, whoa, lift you up. Do-do-do
in the pre-chorus, uh, right? Uh-huh. I was like... <laughs> Mommy, I stop crying. Mommy, stop crying. You're disturbing the peace. 